You ready? Let's roll. Hey, Conscious Parent, I'm Jen, a Conscious Parenting Coach, Somatic Breathwork Practitioner, and a Recovering Helicopter Mom. And I'm Mike, Jen's husband and co-host, ADD Dad, here to tell the men it's okay to talk about your feelings. Yeah, we're parents of two teenagers and live in Seattle, Washington. And just like you, we balance school, sports schedules, meal planning, homework, and not to mention being that Uber driver 24-7. Hitting rock bottom 10 years ago woke us up to the concept of self-discovery and reparenting ourselves to create healthy relationships with our children and our partners. And we're here to talk about exactly how to do that through insightful conversations and discussions. This podcast is something you can enjoy with your significant other. So share the link with them. Grab your favorite beer, whiskey, wine, coffee, whatever, because we've got work to do. (laughs) Hey, Conscious Parent, thank you for being here. We are so honored and humbled that you are choosing to be here with us on this roller coaster ride of parenthood. In this first episode, we really wanted to share with you our past. How did we get here? What inspired us to create this podcast in the first place? And really be open to the struggles, the pain, the hardship, and just letting you know that we are all, in the end, the same. Us parents go through a very similar journey, and we want you to know that you're not alone in it. And so in this episode, we want to just break it down and just walk through what landed us here today with you. And to know that we are still a healing work in progress. We are not perfect. We get it wrong. We want you to know that we see you. We hear you. We're grateful that you're here. And we really hope you enjoyed this first episode. And we look forward to continuing to walk side by side with you in this journey of parenting. We are definitely being challenged right now. Yes. We attempted to record this episode once before. And yeah, Mike got about seven seconds of about 45 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It was a damn good seven seconds, though. I had to work really hard of like, you dumbass, what did you do? (laughs) Yeah, it was another, uh, let's say it was a mad at dad moment. (laughs) Technology things are getting in the way and I feel like, oh, isn't this like perfect? Like we are being challenged with what this whole podcast is about. Yes. How do you surrender to what is and be okay with it? How do you breathe and take a moment to pause and be like, this is not working. There has to be another way. Here we are. Take two. Are we ready? (sighs) I'm ready. What's happening with us, Mike? We've had a lot going on with our children, which we'll get into later episodes that we are always trying to learn how to parent in a different way that does take a little more effort. Yeah. And just a side note, it's fucking cold here in Seattle. Like (laughs) we freak out and get below 32 here. We're babies. It's like 15. It's going to be a high of like 18. But don't you worry. It will be like 48 degrees and raining in a back few days. Back to normal. We'll yes. Be all back to we know. And we'll complain about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> then we're like, when is it going to stop raining? Cold, bleak darkness um, kind of describes our past of the last, yeah. what, 12 years? How ironic. Yeah. So I guess that's a great way to just dive into... This episode today, we want to share with you where we have come from to then be able to share with you further down the line in episodes of what we have learned, how we have overcome, what we are still doing to grow and evolve as parents. And really, the ultimate goal is to build a connection with our kids that is authentic, that is mutual of respect, because we know that our kids are not going to be with us forever. 
Yeah, yeah. I think we're, it's very easy to fall in that trap. Like, let's focus on our kids. They're the number one priority and trying to do everything with them. And you forget that still the partner or spouse has got to be number one. You have to make sure you're getting along, you're checking in, or you're not just completely absorbed with your kids. And I think also to be truly connected to yourself. Yes. It's learning like, how can I be my own best friend, my own biggest cheerleader? How can I like truly like myself? The level in which I like myself is the level in which I'm going to be able to like somebody else. Yeah. And sort of like, remember, give yourself like maybe a little personal timeout and see why you're upset, why you're flustered, and then move on. This podcast is ultimately here to help us, yes, build a strong connection with our children because we all really probably desire an adult relationship with them because most of their lives are going to be out doing their own lives. And so we want to build a foundation now so we can enjoy them later, but ultimately know that I have to like you, Mike, when the kids leave. Yeah. (laughs) It might make the next, you know, what, 30, 40 years a little bit more fun. So where do we begin? This is... I'm actually going to first say that I'm really proud of us, where we are today. It's when we look back and people know our stories, they're just like, I don't know how you've got through all that. And so I just want to say that I'm I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of you and I'm proud of our family. So and I'm uh, really proud and excited we're doing this podcast. Talk about an ultimate fun bonding experience to do with your husband and wife together, having fun and just bringing ourselves and what we know and out to the world. And just I'm really grateful and very excited. Yeah. And because I think we started to understand that we would have these conversations on the weekends that we would call our morning coffee talk. And it's where we would really download what was going on, what was going on with you as you were going through your own stuff while I was going through my own stuff. And we started to understand that, like, I don't think a lot of people have these types of conversations with their significant other partner, whoever's raising children together. And we realized that like, we want to be able to share some of this and hopefully be able to give some insights, inspiration, guidance. Also, just know that you're not alone in this fucking hell that it takes to raise Mm -hmm. a child and to grow up the inner child that we all have in us. It's not an easy job and it takes a lot of courage and bravery to show up and do this work. And so if you're here listening, Conscious Parent, we just want to acknowledge that you are very brave to show up and be on this journey with us. It's not for everyone and it's not for the faint of heart. So we hope that we can be of service and inspiration and guidance. We really hope that you see how how key it is for the parents to be connected and on the same page. It's not always easy. It may not always seem fair, but if you guys are ultimately connected and working together and getting through your things, that is going to be, in my opinion, the foundation. Yeah. And I want to say that can look like anything nowadays. It can be whatever your partner is. Maybe it's mom, grandma raising the kids. Maybe it's aunt, uncle raising the kids. Like whoever is a dual partnership and raising children in your household, we just hope that this dynamic can show you how it's possible. God, back in the condo days, call it the condo days where Mike and I originally moved in after we got married. It was a 927 square foot box that I felt trapped in 24-7 after having Matthew. Matthew came out ready to rock my world and I had no idea. He was very difficult baby, crying all the time. My memories of that time were Groundhog's Day. First of all, when he was an infant, it was sitting in that fucking rocking chair in that blue robe, rocking him for hours and trying to lay him down was like a bomb going off. And so rather trying to do that, I would literally just rock and hold. I'd slept in that robe. I lived in that robe. I sat in that chair. And that is where the darkness started to seep in. 
breastfeeding was not natural. I was breastfeeding, drinking that dumbass beer to like make me lactose more. <laughs> Do you remember that? I'm taking herbs. I'm drinking this beer and I'm trying to pump. I'm trying to breastfeed. And I so felt so much guilt anyways about not being able to do it naturally. It didn't happen naturally for me. Nothing about the beginning of this journey felt like my fantasy that it was supposed to be natural and this amazing experience. We started to realize Matthew had a lot of interesting tics and he wanted to do things a very robotic OCD way. And I would sit in this hallway and he would pass the same nine trucks in the same direction, same time over and over again for hours. He had routines at night where he had to line up his cars for 20 cars on that windowsill before he could go to bed. He had a lot of OCD rituals. I started to put myself out there and try to meet moms. I felt very isolated and alone. Mike was gone all day working. I have no family in town for support. And I was trying to put myself out there to meet moms, connect. I would take him to these open area of this mall. And I just started to realize that Matthew just was not, quote, acting like all the other kids, like he was in his own world. I felt like I needed to have a disclaimer form, pass out to all the parents. Like, if you choose to hang out with this kid, I can't guarantee what's going to happen. And it became starting to become more and more isolating. Like, I don't know what's going on with my kid. He looks like to everybody else, mean, not wanting to share, crazy, high energy. You started having all this jargon. He wasn't communicating with real words. Became very confusing. And we finally decided to go explore what was happening. And at age two and a half, he was diagnosed autistic. And that then sent us into, man, years of so much therapy. And at the same time, I was starting to go down a very dark, resentful world of Mike leaving every day, going to work. Here I'm stuck with this child that is nonverbal, highly aggressive, OCD. And this is not what I imagined. Well, I would say that was my rose-colored glasses day. I was I was in denial. Just one thing to be a glass half full kind of guy or optimistic or we got this and be positive. I think that's all great. But I was really completely shut down and in complete denial. Oh, he's fine. We're fine. There's nothing wrong with him. I mean, he'll, he'll get over it or something really wrong with us. Like, it, it's why are we going so overboard on everything? Like, I certainly wasn't talking to anybody outside of us. Definitely not acknowledging. And you had the Huskies at that time. So Mike is a huge, you're representing today with your Husky shirt on. But yeah. Even before I met Jen, I was, you know, Husky fans, college football, you guys know college football. Like it was one of my favorite things to do. Like what's the best thing to do on a beautiful day? You're tailgating, you're drinking, you're having fun with your friends, you're going to college football. So I'd work all week and be like, okay, honey, I'm off to the Husky game. You know, like I'm all excited. I'm going to go do my favorite thing and be like dead silent. Not even a faint. Okay, hon, sounds good. Like dead silent stare right at me. Yeah. That is where we started to have those walls of resentment that happened between a couple, a partner. Uh, how the hell do you think you want to go off and go play and get drunk and be gone all Saturday when I've been with this child for five days all week? And I used to get resentful thinking, you can go have a cup of coffee. You can go to the bathroom without this person. You can going to work seem like a vacation versus staying home. And it wasn't ultimately something I chose to do. I felt like I was then needing to stay home because of Matthew was so difficult. I think that is where those beginning fumes of anger and resentment started to build for me. 
What about you? Yeah. And I was resentful because I was like, well, dude, I'm working all week. Like I get that, you know, t- you're, what you're going through is, is tough, but like, I should be able to go out and have some fun. Yeah. I did that before I met you. I'm not going to feel bad about it. Which is such a key thing I think to recognize is that this is this unconscious conditioning belief that when the, we have a child that somehow the mom's life is just automatically changed. Like we're the ones that needing to then sacrifice and do, but the dad's life always seems to just carry on. True or false, it is the illusion that seems to be a big belief system amongst moms. And the dads are like, well, I still go to work. I still get to do this. Like dad's lives don't seem impacted by a child. And I think those were the beginnings of a lot of that true tallying, keeping tallies of like, who does what? And I do this. And that just led us into what we call the yellow house days. We were having a second kid. We had to get a rental house. So that's where the term yellow house came from. We were struggling financially. And it was a time where Kate came out and she had her own issues. And I'm thinking, why did I get two kids that are so hard, like extraordinary hard? Matthew was still nonverbal, very aggressive. He was going down a lot of eating challenges at that time where only I could spoon feed him. Remember the Greek yogurt? Yeah. So think about this. You're your mom. You've got this newborn colicky baby who can't leave your side. So she's crying. She's freaking out. And only you can feed your son. Like It's not like, hey, I could take Kate or, or you go off. I'll feed Matthew. No, it had to be Jennifer. He was absolutely only Jennifer could feed him. Yeah. There was a time where Matthew was obsessed with me. And I think that was part of his OCD tendencies and his not ability to communicate. And we were in a lot of therapy at that time, speech therapy, OT therapy, dabbling in eating therapy. Kate is a very crying, colicky baby. Remember when Matthew, I needed to go take a nap and you had to like barricade the door. Yeah. To him, it's very black and white. Oh, I can't be with my mom. What? Like she having a nap and he would literally be charging at the door. Her life was in danger. Yeah. Another quick story too is a couple of times Jen would be like, I got to get out of here. I'm sorry. And she would like kind of get in the car mm-hmm. and Matthew would chase the car down the street, like run out the door at full speed. So that's kind of what we we're dealing with. It wasn't logical and we didn't understand it. And we were in the midst of all of that. And and Kate was very triggering to Matthew. Now looking back, I think his nervous system was so dysregulated. This crying baby was ruining the order of his environment. And it was just like attack, attack, attack. So I felt like I had a kid obsessed with me and I had a child that I needed to protect as like her bodyguard. And this was a time where I was really sinking into some dark, deep depression thoughts that I never thought I would have, wanting to leave my family, wanting to leave. Like this this was not supposed to be this hard. You know what made me think of? I had this thought the other day. Hmm. That movie, Get Out, and she's <laughs> doing like, <laughs> she's like hypnotizing him, right? And yeah. he's sinking down yeah. Yeah. and he can see like, I need to get out. That's how I felt. Felt like I was sinking into this deep abyss of darkness And I couldn't get out, but I had to wake up every day and like survive and keep going and take him to the next therapy and the next therapy. And I think this is where you and I were in a really bad connection and brink of divorce and with no help. All of our families don't live in town. Those yellow house days bring, I can just feel how it just makes me feel well, first of all, I can't even recognize who I was back then, but I have great compassion for her because she was trying so difficult. And it was out of so much anxiety and fear of what is to become of my child. 
this wasn't what I asked for and have all these therapists and doctors telling me what's wrong with him. And so my anxiety and overwhelm was so from a place of I need to fix him. I need to control him. What is going to happen to him? He's going to have no friends. How is he going to get through life? It was such a dark place for me. What was going on for you that well, time? Well, uh, yeah. So I guess instinctively, I knew I had to do something. Like think about if you're in a shitty space, like we really don't know what to do. We want to do our best. But if we, there's no one that can professionally give you the tools or help you unwind some stuff or give you something. Yeah, like I knew I'm like, holy shit, this is like, what is going on? Like we're in this terrible place and I'm super sensitive and jumpy and, and taking everything personally and Jen's in a terrible place. And also I was falling way behind my wife. So she was doing therapy and working with Matthew. They're working like crazy. And I couldn't stay at like ground zero and not rise up with them. Like it's not like I had to solve all my problems or become a reborn person or something, but I wasn't evolving with her. Like I wasn't like working on my stuff and like, oh, what are my tools or what are my tendencies or what what do I do or what do I, what could I be doing? It wasn't about doing more, helping the families. What is blocking me? Why am I so like checked out and in denial? And like, that was shitty. So I'm like, I got to catch up to my wife. And also my confidence was really shot. Like this is a time where, Jen couldn't work. I was a breadwinner. I was—I mean, I was in a really good job and really, but I'm still in. We were in major debt because after the second pregnancy, you know, C-sections. And so I felt like a loser, like, hey, I'm pushing 40 or major debt. I felt bad even like buying a cup of coffee at Starbucks. I'm like, how dare you spend money? Like you're in this huge debt. You're irresponsible. And then I thought, yeah, I should, honestly, I don't know if you suggested, I said, maybe I should go to. I think I, through my counselor, I think she gave me a lot of tools of survival. One of the tools of survival was, it was a non-negotiable that I was to have a mom night out with friends once a week. And I used to drive Matthew and Kate to Mike's work because where we live, there's a long commute on the freeway. And to guarantee that I could get out on time, I used to drive the kids, meet you at work, swap cars, and I would go out with my friends. And that was like a non-negotiable. Like I need to take a break from this life and go. We also at that time through therapy realized, well, my therapist was telling me, you need support. And I was like, financially, we can't afford a babysitter. Summers were a shit show. You're with them all day long. So she said, you cannot afford to get help. Like, you're not going to make it. Your sanity, your marriage, it's all crashing down. So we hired a babysitter. And this is when we entered into so many people entered our lives. We went to a lot of our babysitters' weddings. They're a part of our life because they became such an integral safety and survival guide for us. And then also I came to you through a lot of my own therapy to say, Mike, yeah, I really need you to start working on you because I need your help. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like I was anti-therapy. It wasn't like, no, I'm not fucking going. It was just, I, I didn't really think to go. And I don't know if you ultimately asked me or I just said, hey, maybe I'll go. I don't know, to be honest. I don't honest. remember those days, but I remember but, you asked, you telling me something along the lines, if it's important to you. Yes. yes. Is it important? And you said, okay. And I think that was your first time getting into true talk therapy. Yeah. I could no longer just be the guy that was like, hey, I'm going to work. I hope things work out. So getting back to what I was talking about, the beating myself up and feeling irresponsible, it was it was a reminder. Like she reminded me, therapist, she's like, would people say you're irresponsible? Would people say you're not a hard worker? Would people say you're not reliable? And never. So yeah. It was a reminder that I was just at the part I was at. It was just that time. It was just that day, just that week, just that year. And I was doing what the right thing. This is what we needed to. Yes, we were in debt. 
I mean, yes, we're hiring a babysitter for summer. Like Jen doesn't even work. We're hiring like a part-time nanny babysitter situation. But I I really gained that confidence. Like, yes, this will turn around. I know it's going to be great. I know I can do this. It gave me that confidence where it's not just about looking in the mirror and saying, hey, I'm a great person. I really didn't think I was a good person then. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. She reminded me, you are a good person. You know, you're are not bad. Good. Because of the debt you were in that equated to like your work. You know, I'm pushing 40 and call myself a late bloomer because I was like, didn't really supply myself till I was like in my mid 30. Like coasting had gotten me far. Like things came natural at college and like, eh, I don't have to do that. That's for people who have to work yeah. hard. I'm smarter. To wrap it up, where I was at was I was growing and I was getting my confidence. Yeah, that was that was a very turbulent, pivotal time because we ended up then getting into what we thought our dream house, randomly how that happened. So we got to what we called the Bothell House in the early years. So Matthew's in elementary years, Kate is still in preschool years. And for me, this was so much had been building through all these years. And yes, I was doing some therapies, but I was still so fixated on controlling Matthew's behavior in the outside world because let's be honest, when kids act up, the first thing someone says is, where's that kid's mom? It's never, where's that kid's dad? So there's this automatic assumption and attachment that the mom is responsible for what this kid is doing. And it's his direct reflection of like my own worth as a mom. So the judgment of others, the judgment of teachers and other parents became huge for me. And I felt like I was living a dual life. So I had this life on the outside of where Matthew was going to school, praying to God and get a fucking phone call from the principal because all the times that we became best friends with. Yeah, we were on a first name basis with the middle school. <laughs> no, oh, elementary. Sorry, excuse me, elementary. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, Kathy just called her. Oh, Joel. Joel sent another email. Another email. Okay, thanks. Like It's like, motherfucker, why can't I get this right? I took so much ownership about what Matthew was doing or not doing. And then he was such a likable kid and so eager to be social. And he was such a fun kid, had a lot of friends, but the parents didn't necessarily want Matthew at their house. And that broke my heart because he, his behavior out of pure, his inability to control himself, because by this time, really it had unraveled into a true ADHD profile. And he had some eating disorders things starting to pop up. So his blood sugars were crazy. Looking back now, I can see that. Didn't know it truly. But Matthew started to gain an identity about himself, which was the true... Remember, we went to family therapy at yeah, that time. every Saturday. I was doing like therapy slash hypnotherapy. Like, fuck, we've been in so much goddamn therapy. And I remember Matthew's Denise, our family therapist at that time, primarily working with the kids, was... If Matthew could change and do things differently, he could. But something about his makeup is not allowing him to. So we need to start looking at medications. That's when we started going down that route. But to, to rewind really fast, as a mom, I was starting to recognize that Matthew was starting to get a belief system about himself based on other people's judgments. And I remember in fifth grade, he said to me when he was really struggling and getting in trouble a lot and getting suspended. And he said to me, well, mom, they all think I'm a bad kid anyway. So why would I show up any differently? And it was like, wow, he gets it. He gets that like, why should I try to be anything else? Because they have put me in a box and have labeled me as like, you're the bad kid. And that is when it was like, oh no, something needs to change because 
he's not a bad kid. He just has the inability to control his body. So we took him to, what was it? Psychiatrist? What do you call them? I always feel like that's so dramatic. Like people like therapists got to know a psychiatrist. That is where we started medication for the first time. That was a big decision to make. And I think through that time was when you... Yeah. So I had the big break there because we I would take him to the appointments and it was like, you know, he's asking Matthew questions. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is like he's talking to me. Like, literally, it was like light bulb. I'm like, holy crap. I have ADD. Yeah. Like, that's me. I got OCD, ADD. And... Uh, How the fucking Louia you finally figured that out. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Because <laughs> I used to think, why do I equate Mike and Matthew as one person. My anger was towards both of you. Yes. Deep anger. Yes. That's the other thing this time was mom rage because so much had been building and so much was out of control. And I felt like we had this dual life of don't scream at Matthew outside in the front yard with all his friends, bring it inside. And it was like World War One inside of our house. And I was deeply ashamed of that to never want to share the anger and the thoughts I had, but it was just all unraveling. And when you then got diagnosed with ADD, it was like, oh my God, no wonder I've had this. I don't know. I just thought of you guys as one person because you really are one person. Well, I think you got so frustrated because I would be so deadpan all the time and not react and like not get emotional, but I was controlling it all. And I would go silent and shut down when you're upset and you took it as me not caring or not yes. giving a not shit. Not listening. And not listening, but I would be shut down whenever things get high emotion or there's conflict and I wouldn't know what to do. And I'm taking that as yes, he doesn't hear me, doesn't see me. And all I'm trying to is get validated in what's going on because nobody in my life except for you knew what it was like to raise these kids and what was going on behind closed doors. Then that made me feel even more alone and isolated and even more angry. Kate at this time too was highly anxious. We'd still deal with her. I feel like she's got postpartum. She got PTSD from living <laughs> in, in this world where there was so much yelling and chaos. And it also is hard on a mom if you've got two kids and you you can relate to this dynamic that you feel even more guilt for, oh my God, now my second child is having so many issues because of the environment in which she was raised in. And, and I was a big part of that. So Kate struggles with a lot of anxiety. She couldn't believe my side. I also got phone calls from the school around Kate's having another panic attack. We need to come up with some more protocols around Kate's anxiety. We had so many things set up to just aid her anxiety at school. She slept in our, with us in our room for probably seven years. And the bed, we called to her little bed. She was right on the floor, right next to me. Even then she would wake up and I'd have to go down to her bed and calm her down. It was dealing with two extreme kids, dealing with two extreme issues. And yes, with a husband that was completely checked out. And I was at the most bottom. I, I can't even, it makes me emotional to even remember that Jennifer and where she was at at that time of, I don't think I can keep going. I don't know what to do. And I had a friend, things always come to you at the right time. You know, I've learned to believe that when we surrender to helplessness, I don't know what to do. Like you're at your knees on the ground that something will come at the right time that is your door to walk through and say, there is another way. 
oh my goodness, it's so amazing how the emotions are still there. Because I think I have deep compassion for a lot of my old parts. Because she fucking did an amazing job. And she worked hard. And I give her so much credit for where we are today. But I had a friend send me a clip from this woman who was talking about this idea of conscious parity. Her name was Dr. Shafali. And something in that moment deeply resonated within me of, this is the way. This has nothing to do with my child. Because, quote, modern parenting, modern ways of raising kids just wasn't working. And I think this is the gift of kids that come through that are willful, determined, that are the fighters in your life. They are there saying, wake up. There is another way. This has nothing to do with me, mom. This is about waking up what's going on within you so that you and I can connect at a deeper level because I'm here to live my life and have my life experience and you're here to live yours and we are just an usher to help these kids. So the idea of what she basically was saying is, you have to raise the child within you before you can raise the child before you. That true connection and parenting comes when the parent evolves and grows to their highest good and their highest evolution first, that will automatically shift the vibration, the connection, the relationship that you can then connect with your kid in a totally different way. And then you're just helping to usher them versus control them. And that's exactly what started to happen. So I dove into all things Shafali. She became my Bible, my spiritual leader, because I was at such a depth of darkness. Of, I don't know what to do. There has to be another way to parenting. We're not going to survive. And this is what I want to be able to share in the episodes to follow is all that came from the last seven to eight years of deep diving into my own internal landscape of what is going on with me, what are my beliefs, what are my patterns that have all been passed down to me that came to me very young that I needed to deconstruct to figure out who am I, what do I believe, what are my triggers. And when I started to do this work, it completely changed Matthew. And people started to ask, what are you doing differently? What's the brand new, what, top five things you're, what's the key discipline behavior? And I'm like, I haven't done a damn thing with Matthew. I took the lens off of Matthew and put it on myself. And it just automatically started to shift Matthew. His, his whole dynamic and behavior shifted. And I think that was a huge launching plate to our healing as a family. This time I was going to therapy evolution 2.0, so I didn't go for a long time. And But somehow... Uh... I don't, again, I think it was just universe intervention, like a certain therapist was recommended and he seems a little different. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I, there's some things I could work on. Again, I don't know what Jen asked me or strongly suggested, or maybe she got a sign like, hey, you should go. Or I don't know. But I think you started to realize things about yourself that you were a lone wolf and all those things. Yeah. So it definitely was a lone wolf, not ever asking for help, not reaching out. You know, think about a work setting. I was like great at my job, but no one knew shit about me because I didn't let anybody in. Yeah. 
I didn't let people in. And then I realized, okay, if I want to have a connection with my kids, it's got to be a genuine connection. Like I'm a good dad on paper. Like I provide, I'm, I'm funny. And Matthew and I hang out, watch sports. Kate and I do. Like I was like a good dad in, in quotes, but I wanted to connect with them authentically, not just surfacely. So I, I really didn't have those tools because I didn't know how to do it. Fortunately, my parents, we didn't really connect that way when I was a kid. Like we didn't get that connection. I want them to be able to come to me and not just Jen and be connect with them. Cause I, I really have a firm believer. If I don't connect with them as kids, we're not going to be tight as adults. Like I want to have adult relationships with these kids, not just, I see you twice a year at holiday relationships or it's a should, I got to invite my parents over. It's a should. Like I want this to be tight. Authentic enjoyment of being yeah. around each other. Yeah. Like Greg, like excited to see, like, yeah, like I don't want to be like when we're older, I only see the kids when Jen and I are together. Like I'm seeing them individually or we have an individual conversation. It's not like this group thing or a should. So that was really big to, I got to really get those tools. Also, you know, a big one was having the ADD and OCD can be really as a good superpower. Like that ability to focus and drive and solve and be logical really serves me at work. I'm really good at what I do. I'm, you know, very positive, upbeat. So really can like dive in and focus and get shit done. But that is not going to work. It's not ideal, in my opinion, for a personal relationship, especially with your significant other. Jen would start, you know, opening up to me, which was she'd finally done because it was hard. I was fucking zombie. But I would be thinking still in my logical mind or like, how can I solve this? I'm a man. I'm born to solve problems. We love to fix shit. We love to feel good. We love to be the hero, yeah. right? But right. I was like, no, that's not what she needs here. She just needs to know she's got someone's there for her. Like being there is not giving advice and going, okay, honey, good. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're going to be fine. I got you. So yeah. I learned that I needed to, what made me successful in that realm was not working at home or was going to be good for our long-term relationship. So I've really worked on, and I'm still a work in progress. Like I have to really, I really have to say to myself, are you listening? Are you generally listening? Are you fixing? And I'm going to tell you guys, you know, I, I think women sometimes be a little, a, a little more emotional than us and a little more logical. It's a thing to them. It's a thing. Just honor it and just go with it. One of the best things they ever heard was just being there for somebody, not to give them advice. Like if someone's having life issues, they're getting bombarded with advice from parents and friends and God bless them, but they don't really have the training. But if I'm just generally there for her, she's talking, she's getting something out. I don't really have to do anything. Yeah. And I think that is a huge piece that we started to practice with each other. And we learned how to do that with our kids. And that is also one of the ultimate goals in conscious parenting is exactly that. How do we just be in the uncomfortableness of them going through a difficult time? Maybe they're failing at something, but we're not there to fix that. We're there to just be with them and allow them to process and be in relationship to their own life experience. So there's a lot of things that I think we learn within our own role as husband wife that we have learned with our children. And then vice versa, our kids have taught us a lot about a being relationship with ourselves. And it's been this full circle, constant process. And this is what this podcast is all about, is we are going to be sharing some really in-depth strategies, tools, mindsets, pattern breaking, fun. How do you bring some light and don't take this so fucking seriously? And then bring in some people that we've met along the way who have yeah, been life-changing yeah. experts that are going to talk about more specifics that we have worked with individually as a family that have really given us tools on how do you, this is a lot to work through. Yeah. Maybe you're stuck or maybe you're like, I know we're not happy. I know we're in denial or I know we're 
keeping score. I know we're kind of feeling like rivals and it doesn't feel fair. Like we're just here to like tell you this another way. And we're not telling you, you need to do anything. You don't have to do anything. And you, your way might work. There's no one way, but we're just kind of here to like, Hey, there could be a different way. And maybe you, you know, are focused too much on the behavior of your kids and not what are you fucking doing? Take ownership for that. Like there's a reason if you guys are fighting all the time, like unless you love to fight and bicker, maybe that's all. Maybe again, maybe that is your way. We're just here to have some fun, bring some lightness. And just bringing an understanding that there's a co-creation in all relationships. It's never a one side. So again, if you are here listening to this and you are choosing to come on this journey of awakening to your best version of you, take some fucking courage and bravery to be able to look in the mirror and point the finger and say, I might be the problem, not you or them or this kid. That takes a lot of just real wise wisdom from your internal God self to be able to say, I think I need to change. And change is never hard because it takes you down a road of, I don't know what's coming. I think the biggest thing I have gotten from this whole journey in the last 16 years has been become comfortable with not knowing. And that is a really hard thing to surrender to because when you come from a place of control and fixing and anger and resentment, the whole goal is that you're trying to control what is coming. And that's not really how life works. So when we let go and just become, I'm okay with not knowing, I'm okay with sitting in this uncomfortableness, this is the process of change, but it's not for everyone. And you get to choose when you decide you want to jump on this like change train and come along for the ride with us. So we are excited to do this. We're excited to be here with you. We hope to hear from you along the way. We want to know your thoughts. Your thoughts are important. Your voice here matters completely because this is a village and it takes a lot of work. This is not doing it by yourself. Yeah. And I want to just, I want to reconnect with the men out there. I, I got you. Like, I got your back. Like, this shit is not natural to us. And you're thinking, oh my God, my wife is going to make me go to five different therapies now. Like, don't <laughs> worry. Like, it's just about really just being there. And uh, just be open. So I'm saying just trust us. So here we go. Stay tuned. Till next time. Bye-bye. So now you hit the square black button. Yeah. I'm trying to find it. There it is. Hit stop. Okay. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for being a part of our podcast community. We work hard to create content that we hope you enjoy and find valuable. If you haven't already, we would be honored if you would consider subscribing and follow us on your favorite platform. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. We truly appreciate your support and we can't wait to continue to grow and connect with you through our podcast.